What's going on, people? This is your boy, Michael O, your chief motivational officer. Listen, I am excited to bring you a brand new podcast, Moving Mountains, hosted by myself. Find me on Spotify, find us on iTunes, find us on YouTube. Connect with us, Moving Mountains Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Moving Mountains Podcast. I am your host, Michael O. My goodness, guys, I am super duper 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 quadruple excited about this episode today my guest he's a real estate tycoon who is known as the man who changed the skyline of south beach miami and helped it become the hotspot that it is today originally from germany thomas kramer got his start in the stock market where he made his first one million deutschmarks at the very younger age of 17 all right he then moved over to wall street where he predicted one of the biggest stock market crashes of all time in 1987 that made him super rich and famous literally overnight he then moved over to miami to take the huge risk of buying down rundown buildings in south point miami which was then officially called a slam which he has now built into luxury apartments and residents, including the famous Portofino Tower, the Yacht Club, and Five Star Island. Oh my goodness. I could go on forever, but of course I have the man himself in the studio. Thomas, thank you for coming on the Moving Mountains podcast. You're very welcome. Great to meet you. Absolutely. That was a bit of a mouthful. I could have kept going because your (laughs) accolades literally don't stop. Yeah, but you have to breathe sometimes. Listen, I'm I'm excited today to sh- to go through your journey right from the beginning. Um, but my goal always on the podcast is to draw the juice, the principles, the gems, the lessons that you were able to learn along the way, the things that makes you you. Because I believe that everything that we do in our lives is an effect of something. There is something deeper within us, which is the cause from which everything else stems. So I'm going to, I want to go on to the first, the first point, which is you making your first million Deutschmarks at age 17. What is a 17 year old thinking? What is the inspiration and the motivation of you at that stage of your life um, to get you involved in the stock trading market at that point? At the time it was a brand new instruments, you know, that uh, attracted uh, my attention, like option trading, you know, there was before only stocks and bonds, and now suddenly you got all these kind of different um, things to work with, and that, of course, was very exciting. And when you had a little intuition of where markets are going and heading to, um, you could uh, uh, multiply your, your uh, profits enormously. So I started, actually, when I was 14 with 500 Deutschmarks, and uh, when I left school with 17, I had a million. That's true. Yeah. Crazy. That is absolutely yeah. crazy. It was a good feeling, I tell you that. <laughs> I mean, at 17. And, you know, at, and, and going through my life, uh, uh, because you said you want to draw the juice out absolutely. of it, I give you the juice right away, not in form from orange juice, but <laughs> the, the willingness and the ability to teach and give back what you did in your life to the younger generation is the most fulfilling of all tasks I never done. Absolutely. And there you are already at the end where we going to hit it on the TK Academy Absolutely. because this is my way of sharing the wells of knowledge that I gathered. I feel like Medusalem, you know, mm-hmm. two, three hundred years old. Absolutely. Because if you look back on the life histories that I can present here, 
we would probably need 10 podcasts podcasts to, we to, might need to do 10 podcasts we'll yeah, but with, with, with you it's fun <laughs> and especially you know the team is great so i'm i'm more than willing to come back oh, but you know it's it's what do you do with what you know and what you learned and this is for, now that i'm at the prime of my life my fulfillment and my task yeah yeah i mean I, I'm, i'm glad you mentioned about learning and, and honing your skill because in 1987 you predicted one of the biggest market crashes in in wall street history essentially right which made you a fortune of a hundred million overnight i want to talk about what it feels like to wake up with a hundred million pounds in your a hundred million dollars in your bank account but what is it do you think about your knowledge and understanding of the stock market that gets you to be able to predict something that other people can't see You know, the, for me, the most important thing that is valid till this day. I just had this morning a discussion with my daughter about um, a, a market we're both trading in, mm. and that's oil. And um, she, she was all excited that oil is falling and she read articles that oil is going to drop to 50 within the next few months. And I said, but that's exactly the time when you take your profits, at least one third or two thirds of the and you wait for a reaction that is guaranteed. Nothing stays up and nothing goes down forever. Absolutely. So, you know, here, especially in this oil market, we see new lows, even after they cut production by 5% OPEC. Um, still, they couldn't prevent new crashes. Yeah. Now they're going to come with something new around the corner that's going to spike the market back up, shakes all out the uh, weak shorts, and gives us the opportunity to double up on our position. Yeah. So follow your instincts. Don't believe anybody or anything you hear or see it's only you that is responsible for its own decision and normally the first instinct is the right one yeah so like warren buffett always says that um don't wait for the market to um to go down he says always buy the market and then wait if you had three anchors or or three principles by which you trade by What would you sum it down to, for example? Whenever it looks bleak, buy. And whenever it looks like heaven on earth, sell. So that's what I would consider right now in different markets. Definitely. You know, that's actually the basic rule. Yeah. And then the others are only variations. Fair enough, fair enough. So, what yeah. do you think of the current climate of, of cryptocurrency? What do you think of cryptocurrency as an, as an old school trader, somebody who's been involved in stocks for the longest time? What do you think of crypto? I think of crypto, it's a hype that is, uh, you know, uh, used to move money. Uh, I don't want to say illegal, but definitely from Russia or wherever they have restrictions into other countries. And therefore, the market, is, the price is where it is. Otherwise, it's not justifiable mm. because there is so many different cryptos. Everybody comes with their own crypto. Absolutely. They should be all at zero. Look what happened to the NFTs. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm talking down my own NFT. But actually, <laughs> I'm giving my NFT as a gift when you buy a course Absolutely. in my yes, academy yes, yes. and not trying to make a fortune on uh, somebody's not knowledge. Yes, yes. I always. <laughs> That's I what I would sum up the whole crypto, crypto. market. I, I, it's, it's very interesting. I always love to get, because uh, I'm heavily into crypto. I'm a big advocate for crypto. Um, I always talk about crypto being the present and the future, most definitely the future. Um, so I always like to get the perspective 
of the of the older older generation, especially those who've been involved in financial markets, just to be able to see what they think about the current uh, hype of crypto and and if they feel there's real utility. You know what's pretty <clears throat> easy, Michael. I saw so many hypes. Mm. Yeah, I remember. I recall when I was sitting at, at the time I was in my forties, and only young people around me, two thousand, two thousand one, in Miami at a luncheon, and they were all billionaires. I mean, 15 people. They're all young, between 18, 21, all billionaires. Their stocks, this and stock that. And and I, I, I sat there, couldn't believe what I was hearing and like, wow, what am I a poor schmuck, you know? And six months later, when I wanted to repeat the dinner, none of them answered their phones nor their emails. They weren't existing anymore. Their companies were gone. Right. This was the dot-com Bus, bubble. Yeah. So, and this is the same now. Then the you remember the NFT markets where the, the, the yeah, big yeah. American um, stars yeah. hung up their uh, names for, and now they get sued for the very daylight. Much, very much. So you know, it's just a question of time. And then when the when the government start regulating the um, crypto market, the hype goes because the accessibility and the interest goes. Because yeah. in the second it's legal for the for the criminals, it's not yeah, yeah, <laughs> of yeah. interest anymore, and therefore the the air is out. So so what would you what do you um, recommend for young people to invest in then? If if there's a if there's a young person. 18 year old at home who's listening who's got a thousand to five thousand dollars to their name and they want to invest what would you say they should invest in <laughs> to be honest uh, young people don't have money to invest because the little money they have they spend on their lifestyle and their and they should continue doing that so doing working creating uh, wealth is not by investing in Bitcoin or something that goes from zero to 10,000. That's in, invest in your knowledge, invest in yourself. Yes. I wouldn't say now Thomas Kramer Academy, but it's certainly smarter than blowing it out in the market. 100%. And, <laughs> you know, it is true. 100%. You know, there is so many things that can make the difference between you and the next guy that in a job interview or in your future is of so much more value than a bank account of a hundred thousand that you made out of five. Well, what is it? A big dinner in D Dubai? <laughs> I, I <laughs> completely know? agree. I, I literally had this conversation with somebody last week who asked me. Uh, the reason I asked you this question is because that's what they said. This is, I'm, I'm eighteen. I'm eighteen years old. I've managed to save up five thousand dollars. What do you think I should invest in? Yeah. And I said, invest in yourself. Yeah. At eighteen years old, you have all of the potential in the world to be able to increase your earning potential. What you want to do is invest in yourself first every year on year so that you can increase and even double your earning capacity absolutely and then yeah, you no. can think about it you know and i have so many <clears throat> really super rich friends especially here in dubai um that are much much younger than me and they all tell me that what billions and trillions they all have and you know but then they all really poor schmucks because they're all sick <laughs> you know, they're, they're either fat or they can't move or their backs are hurting or this and that. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, that's exactly what I'm trying to tell an 18-year-old. Invest in yourself is what I tell the 50-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, move yeah. your ass. Don't uh, wait that you get a heart attack. But let's put things in perspective because surely when you... I mean, you're looking back on this now because you've made all of the mistakes that they're ever going to make. 
and 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 then some. So you're able to look at it from a from this perspective, right? From a perspective of no, I never made the mistake of not working out because otherwise I would have back problems. So that's absolutely <laughs> but, not but true. But there were other mistakes <laughs> that you made. Look, I, yeah. I know for me for a fact, you know, when when I've been able to make quite large sums of, I, I'm on my way to 100 million. I haven't quite done that yet, but soon. Um, but when I've made large sums of money, I know that for me, I sometimes in the past, I sometimes lost my mind because I was, I was. You really, lost uh, what? I lost my mind. Right? Bad trucks uh, in England. I, don't see, take no, anything. I'm not really a drug kind of person, <laughs> but I love, I love toys, right? So I just blow it on all the toys, you know, however many Bentleys and Lambos and oh you know, all the trips yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know all of the foolish foolishness. So yeah. I know that, and I know you've done the same thing, right? Yeah, and yeah, then course. some to certain extents that I probably can't even imagine. What what is going through your mind when you wake up in the morning? I'm pretty sure it didn't happen exactly in this format, but you wake up one one morning. You've got a hundred million dollars accessible in your bank account. What's going through your mind at this point in life? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the 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 most important was what was uh, what went through my mind was don't blow it. <laughs> <laughs> keep your keep try to keep your feet on the floor and go bananas mm. you know that's that's the biggest mistake most people do that they then they think they have to from 100 to go to 500 or 1 billion in, in, in two big steps in too fast and they lose it you know so what did you do you didn't blow it what 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 did you actually do no what i did when i had my i i i changed the format of working i was uh, as as you said rightfully a trader in wall street had a beautiful view from the 102nd floor in the world trade center over battery park plaza growing out of the clouds over time over the 80s so when i really hit the jackpot on wall street for me it was obvious that i have to leave Wall Street, not only because the SEC was on my ass, but um, uh, it just it didn't feel right anymore. So from heaven sent came the crash in the stock market, in the in the real estate market. Yes. So obviously you cannot make money, but in real estate when it crashes, but you can make a lot of money after it crashed. Right. And so I took everything out of Wall Street and put it into dirt. Yes. So I literally took 70, 80 million of liquid cash and spent it within weeks on real estate in Miami. And I remember everyone, uh, I still have this newspaper article said, you're absolutely insane yes. buying all these um, overpriced properties. But I saw the big picture because when I was a kid, I was good in Monopoly. So the, I, in, I just used the Wall Street rules on a Monopoly game in reality. You know, I came in with 30 offshore companies, the old uh, Wall Street spirit, and buying the neighborhood without the neighbors knowing that it's the same buyer. Aye. So this you can only do, Michael, when you pay what the neighbor is asking. So, of course, you could have negotiated 10, 20 percent, maybe better price, but that would have taken time. The time I didn't have because then the neighbors would talk. Right. And when the neighbors talk and unite, you fucked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there was only one way. Hi, Michael, how are you? What do you want for this share? How much you want? 100K. Here's 100K cash. Boom. Take it or leave it. Bam. How much do you want for your share? And this is within 10 days, I literally bought, um, you know, 40, 50% of the old city of Miami Beach. 
which is what blows my mind because at the time when you went in there, South Point had been literally ruled out to be a slum. Yeah, yeah, it, right? it was a slum. That's why I bought it. You know that because when when you concentrate on the slum, you have unbelievable uh, uh, tax advantages. For example, thirty years, the city cannot take any real estate taxes from the in your neighborhood created uh, taxes and use them in other districts in the city. And therefore, South Beach, I literally stopped purchasing any real estate with the border of the slum on Fifth Street. So that's why the the section south of Fifth is today the most developed with the nicest landscape, the best parks, the greatest schools, the greatest infrastructure on the whole east coast up to New York City. Incredible. So this is this was you know when you when you check the environment and then you hit the box. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking amazing. But you 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 are a, you are a visionary. Like you've you clearly have had this natural acumen from being 17 making your first million and then going on to wall street predicting something that other people can't see and then going over to miami doing something that other people couldn't see yeah that, that was you know the funny you know I mean? that, that i have to say the funny thing is i i've had run-ins in new york because obviously i tried my luck in real estate in new york first i was bidding on the world on on the empire state building yeah. Uh, 42 and a half million for the whole building not for a floor of it yeah and i got outbid by trump for 42 million seven hundred fifty thousand dollars so i thought for two maniacs this city is too small i better look for another spot and i was so lucky that um, I got invited to Williams Island by the other Trumps, Eddie Trumps, a very nice family from South Africa, who developed uh, big uh, lakes of California. And um, they met me and my wife in St. Bart's, invited us to join them for New Year's, no, 91, 92, mm. to join them in Williams Island. And we said, no, we don't want to go to Miami. Miami is all crime and trucks and, you know, Miami Vice, everybody yeah. knew that. Yeah. And um, so when I came to visit Williams Island, what's on 205th Street, imagine, this is like, 20 kilometers yeah, away from yeah. South Beach, where yeah, the city yeah, yeah. of Miami Beach actually started. Right. And he flew us, uh, Eddie flew us around in the helicopter. And when we circled the southern tip of Miami Beach, I asked him five times, can we go higher? Can we go higher? Can we go higher? <laughs> so we have a great bird eye view over the southern tip of Miami Beach that reminded me, and I still get a goosebump thinking about it, it reminded me of Manhattan. Right. It looks exactly like Manhattan. Right. Only difference, Jesus, blue, turquoise colored water, yeah. dolphins jumping up and down, <laughs> and not stinky brown misery with billion dollar buildings. Yeah, like in New York. Yeah. I said, what in the God name did these American developers miss mm. that I'm seeing? Why was that not built here instead of in New York? And I'm sitting with one of the biggest developers who develops California in the helicopter. I shut my mouth, don't tell anybody right, anything, right, 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 but right. I couldn't sleep the next 10 days till I actually started my uh, um, buying spree. Incredible shit. Yeah. So now I'm sitting there, I have half a city, great, no? but I have no idea what to do with it because I'm not an architect, I'm not a developer. I only had a claim of fame that I 
build a house in Kitzbühel and redone an apartment in New York. What's another story? Yeah, Different right? podcast. <laughs> but um, in I, one of the Trump buildings, right? <laughs> so I needed I needed a shortcut in education. So I got myself 14 of the smartest, best-known architectural firms all into the biggest restaurant in Miami Beach, Joe Stone Crab. It uh, cost me $5 million to have them show me what I can actually do if I would be a great architect. And it was an amazing event. We called it the Charette because we invited environmentalists, the city uh, people that lived there. So it was it was a format that I invented by accident mm. for to, to educate me and the public and everybody else. Yeah. And I said, why not share it? So it's like you with your podcast. That's that's that lessons from the Charette in nineteen ninety three is actually what I'm doing now in two thousand twenty three with the Academy. Fantastic. Because I'm willing to give the knowledge that I gathered to in, the, in, the, in an academy, it's called students, but it's not really students because everybody is invited to partner and affiliate with us, bring their own things in and share them. And yeah, it's like it's like an online university from someone who done it all, seen it all, yeah. and doesn't know it better, but knows how to avoid yeah. doing the mistakes I did and paid for. Yeah. And that's what I can teach you. Yeah, it's freaking amazing. <laughs> I got you speechless. That's not, that's not the idea. (laughs) It's freaking amazing. I like to take it all in because, um, you know, when you've been able to, when you've been able to build something so incredible, right. For me, I I love to just pull in, like I said, I like to pull in every possible lesson and every gem that I could find at every, at every stage coming from wall street, coming into a completely new industry. Now you've turned from, um, trader, stock trader to property developer overnight. What are some of the challenges that you, you faced during that transition? What were some of the biggest there challenges? Was no, there was no transition. The, 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 the real transition started on the top of the game. And that was through the, through the endless drive of success in, in developing. You know, I was on, in Forbes, I was close to be a billionaire. I think net worth 900 million. So, um, of course, it's clear that the next thing is going to be a crash, like everything you see in life. And the bad thing, if you don't get a handle to it, would be your health. Because the party life in Miami can be pretty, uh, you know. (laughs) So I'm, I'm quite old, but much younger friends, and most of them, of my friends from the days from the days in the 90s and early 2000s are dead and they're 20, 25 years younger. So I was actually closing up with my life. I had a t-shirt saying, uh, um, I'm not dead because uh, uh, Hal is afraid I'm going to take over. (laughs) <laughs> so that that was kind of what kept me alive, you know. I had already a nice coffin in my bedroom, a beautiful coffin. Took nine months to build. It's nearly like a baby, but it was nice gargoyles and red uh, silk inside. It was double size because I 
was pretty fat at the time. So no one would wait nine months and keep me in the fridge to bury me, you know. So it's <laughs> mm-hmm. like, better have your bloody coffin ready, you know. Mm-hmm. I had it in my bedroom because it was so beautiful. It was like a loving piece of furniture. <laughs> so why I'm telling you this is because what changed my life to the next stage mm-hmm. was um, a phone call that I got during a party time in um, Saint-Tropez, yeah, um, for my daughter. My daughter at the time, um, 17, 18 years old, studied in Boston and called me up, Papi, I don't like to study in Boston anymore. I remember this like it's yesterday. And I said, yeah, I said, I also studied in in Boston when I was a kid, but only a few weeks before Mm -hmm. I went to Wall Street. And um, she said, the weather is horrible. I want to move to Florida. I said, great, then we see us more often. I live in Miami, so, you know. (laughs) And she said, yeah, puppy, I moved already. I said, you're already living. She said, in your house. I said, oh, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So when I came back a couple of weeks later, I didn't recognize my house anymore. The coffin was gone out of my bedroom. (laughs) The colors in the hallway have changed from blood red to this and that. (laughs) And now I was, I was, like when I moved to Miami with this, the transition, mm. I was in a situation where I had to make a very fast decision. Yeah. Either break with my daughter, that's the, the best thing I ever did in my life, is my flesh and blood, yeah. and I'm very proud of her. Yeah. Or I break with my lifestyle that I had till now. And believe it or not, within a split second, I made that life-changing transition and decided in a second not to drink any more liquor for four years. I completely changed my lifestyle. I lost 27 kilos in nine months, and I became a fitness... uh, You know, my highs I got through sweat. When I get depressed, I go in the gym, and in the second you feel that your body starts uh, producing these uh, hormones, Mm -hmm. your, your smile comes back. And this is what drives me. And this is the third big transition that I had to move to Dubai. Because obviously in Miami, you're, you're drawn to parties left and right. People would go through half divorces just to visit me. And then I would say, uh-uh, no party, no clubbing. We go uh, tennis and yeah. uh, bicycle. Yeah. You would have told me, go to hell. <laughs> so I went myself to hell. And uh, at the time, Dubai, and still compared to Miami... A decent place, you know. I'm, I'm. This was the transition I did, and now I'm doing the transition. Of the fourth transition is to share, to share the knowledge before. If, yeah, what? You, because when you get old, you think of death and all this. What comes? And my memory is going to be literally transported mm-hmm. through my academy in timelessness. I want to talk about. I want to talk about some of the dark times as well, right? Because um, I, I love to bring, I, I love to you know talk about all the highs, and you've had some incredible high highs. But there's also been some low points. There's been there's been some points, you know, when you, uh, you know, when when your wife left, and and I, there was a point as well where there was a lot of media backlash, almost as if they, it was all being turned against you. And I, I read on your website that you called this time of your life the total burnout. Uh, no, 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 that, that, that I didn't, absolutely not. It's actually the opposite. What, what drove me, what gave me the power and the strength to reach these unbelievable heights mm-hmm. was the hatred that I felt by 
these obnoxious people writing articles you know they for example in in miami they compared me with hitler and uh, the nazis marching through south beach because it obviously miami was all jewish or is all jewish and um, they didn't like any kind of change and i did change and then i was german so i recall that there were elections run on my back to drive me out of town so you can imagine they didn't drive me out of town. They, let me give you one example. Please. My first, my first was it's called Washington Fifth, the Washington Five, the little building on Washington, that is in on on the academy in my book. You see that it has a light tower in front. The uh, it's a four or five story building. It's nothing. And, you know, the, the city wouldn't allow me to build this light tower that, that eventually was planned to go to the second floor. So about one third of the building would be a light tower that changes light colors. You know, like what's today anywhere. Yeah. We're talking early 90s. That was an obnoxious thing for these people. And they literally said in the refusal, they don't want to have Kramer's dick on fifths. So I said, what the fuck? This stinky little thing is my dick. Fuck you people. Excuse my English. And I told my architects to make it three times taller and taller than the building. And it took me two years in court. And I won in the last district. And I got my, of course, cost and uh, it's, it's you know what I mean? But yeah. it became the most photographed building of the 90s in Miami Beach. In, in not one il illustration or whatever, this tower wasn't it. Right. So it's like, you know, so of course it's a dark side, but it, it just, you don't fuck with the animal, you know, because I'm a double Taurus. You show me the red uh, uh, cloth in front of me. I remember when I, when I wanted to build... They said, no, 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 this is because it's the old city, uh, uh, the center of the city, there were no height restrictions. Yeah. So, um, you know, they wanted to down, so I, I came with decent buildings of 40, 50, 60 floors, and uh, um, they said, no, we want everything park, because Kramer tore all the buildings down, it's yeah. all flat now, yeah. so we make it a nice park, we make it a South Beach park. Yeah. So, you know, I went to court and I got double the size allowed that I originally had planned to build. So it's like, yes, dark, but look what comes out of it. Yeah. And then the dark sides with the party life and the unhealthy life. And I, I swear, I thought I have maybe a year to live. And I didn't want to live any longer mm -hmm. because what's greater than die as a party king of Miami yeah. on the heights of your uh, triumph, go, bye-bye, world have me. So, and then my daughter walked in my life and everything changed. And I'm sitting here and uh, able and willing to tell you the lesson and um, hope that you can avoid having these <laughs> black and white situations in, in the big numbers as I had. Yeah, yeah. When your daughter called you and said she doesn't want to be in school anymore. No, 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 not in school. She doesn't want to be in Boston anymore. She, doesn't want to be in she Boston. went to school in Miami, and yeah. um, I'm very proud of her. She is uh, much more intelligent than me. That's what she obviously got from her great mother that I picked. <laughs> and um, <laughs> makes you smarter. She she got she got everything good from both of us, so Fantastic. it's perfect. But she definitely finished actually in two universities, also one later in Milan. So fantastic. Yeah. I, I was gonna say because we're we're having we're having these conversations now where.
um, as much as obviously you want to take your kids to the best schools as possible in the world. I, I went to medical school and then dropped out after a year. And so I'm, I'm preparing for when, if my kids come to me and they say, I don't want to be in school anymore, what I'm going to say to them. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> um, definitely not an option. But that was, thank God, was my kid never. But I have to tell you a f very funny anecdote about schooling, picking yeah. the right school. Yeah. So my daughter went to Eglon and I was a very proud daddy doing um, consultant work in Jeddah on the Freedom's Tower for uh, the Saudi government at the time. They were planning to build there the tallest tower. Um, and I got invited for luncheon in the Royal Palace and, you know, in front of 60, 70 sheikhs and princes, one stood up and introduced me. So Mr. Double Torres, very proud. <laughs> uh gets the following introduction. Now, my dear friends, you meet the father of Joya, who gave us the pleasure of great entertainment in the last two summers in the palace. And I thought I'd die. Yeah, my whole ego <laughs> collapsed. I was a shallow hole of myself. So when I <laughs> found my words back, I went outside in the backyard, called my daughter and said, Summer, you know that Papa is struggling around here in Saudi Arabia trying to meet the right people? And you were in the palace of the, of the royals? Why didn't you tell me this? And she said, Papi, I don't want to use my contacts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, was, that is funny. That was, yes, yes, yes. What uh, a paradox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now, I mean... When we when we met yesterday, you told me some incredible stories, and I was I was starstruck from some of the stories that you were telling me. So let me ask you this then: Who is probably who is the most funnest, famous person that you have had the pleasure of partying or enjoying some time with? Oh, there were so many. So the funnest, who? Yes. Oh, the ones who stood out the most to you. Oh. That's different kind of fun. <laughs> that's a different kind of fun. Yeah, well, I, I thought that. We'll keep oh, it PG. That's really, really, that's really a very difficult task because there's a lot of nice hosts, but they are by far not funny. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're hosting, but you, they need funny guys like me to make it a <laughs> right, fun party. Right, right. Because you mentioned being on a yacht with Michael Jackson. Which yes, I yes, yes, you know. Fantastic. No, no, I, he was on my yacht. Yes, yes. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. He actually sung. Uh, at dinners yeah, that was in 88 Incredible. in 88 yes Incredible. yes 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 and then you had madonna no but i'm thinking of parties that were great now i got one <laughs> wait they just you have to give me a second Go you know on, old men second. need time to think take a second uh, i was at you know after amfa maybe 10 15 years ago amfa is a big uh, you know the Cannes film festival yeah, party yeah, yeah. i was at an after party in a villa with leonardo DiCaprio. And I tell you, that was the nicest guy, the most down-to-earth and the funnest party I have been. I really remember now that I was speechless and I said, I'm going to copy a lot of the things I'm seeing here yeah. in Miami. Yes, yeah. absolutely. If, if, you had, if you had one person, actually, who you would say has inspired, everybody comes up, they have somebody they look up to, da-da-da-da-da. Has there has there been anybody for you who has inspired you along your journey? Yeah, of course, many, many people, many, many, biggest many influence, people. Biggest influence, would you say? Hmm? Biggest influence. Who's the biggest influence on your life? Would you say? 
biggest influence, for example, going into real estate mm. was Trump in a negative way. Okay. Because obviously I never did real estate. Yeah. I met Trump and the guy is the biggest liar and show off that you can imagine. He shows me in Mar-a-Lago in his house, the windows and that series tells me all these windows are bulletproof, special class, triple thick and whatever. Yeah. And literally, you could see holes in the one sheet class <laughs> in the left corner. And I'm like, is this guy insane? He's insane. Mm. He believes the shit he's telling. <laughs> and the great... The, so I said, in that moment, I said, if this is the biggest developer of America, I have a chance. I think I can do that blindfolded yeah. better. Yeah, and that's why I got yeah. into real estate. That's the reason. Freaking it's a amazing. negative reason. Yes, because I said the guy is so famous and so big, and everybody prays to him. And look at what he's building and doing. Mm. It's all garbage. Mm. I remember the big fight I had when I saw I w went to the Trump Tower and wanted to buy it in '91 with my wife in the Trump Tower, his penthouse and whole floor, mm. and you, this stinky little kitchen was caught between the guest toilet and the elevator so i asked him what did you think you can't even walk in with two bags in your hand side yeah. you have to go sideways yeah. he said we new yorkers don't cook we go out to dinner ah <laughs> great answer for a developer you know it's like the closets are so shallow you couldn't put a clock you can't even put a suitcase in yeah. the, the, the guy lives only for a big living room where he has a huge piano and gives his big speeches That's why he probably became a politician. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> I always like to ask about top three books you've read that you found life-changing. Oh, yeah. Didn't, don't have any that, I, that have changed any. my, I don't have any books that changed my life. The li the <laughs> <laughs> I read so many and <laughs> I, I, I know what you're saying and I try to, f that's why for every book that I read, mm -hmm. I was looking for that. Right, right, right. But I never found it. Not only did they start boring me after a third, right. but it just like. Are you going to write a book? You what? Are you going to write a book about your memoirs? Yeah, the funny, funny story. Yeah. I have a couple of books written about me with people that um, uh, sat for months uh, in my house and with me. Uh, I gave hundreds of interviews and both turned out to be jerks. <laughs> <laughs> When I said, can I please read the first chapter mm. i thought w when i read it i said what a schmuck is that you're writing about and it was it was me so i actually had people writing you know ghostwriters and they were pretty famous at the time uh, writing about me in a way that i would never publish it so right. it's like right. and it's just you know going into the history just is like uh, i don't know it's like i hope uh, we're able to get a book The Kramer book. <laughs> That will be fantastic. It will be something to do. You know, it's funny. I have I have a dear friend that I know for his whole life, Bijan, who is also my partner in the academy, mm -hmm. actually working on a book. It's an e-book now on on um, on um, my website. Uh, you can actually, uh, when it's done, buy it on the academy. But he, by knowing me for so long, has a different... Uh, ankle and a positive ankle that I like so I can imagine doing that with him maybe in the next Bijan is very talented I think he'll yeah, be I love great, him. he'll be a great I love person. him I'm very happy having him as a partner yeah. and friend yeah. yeah 
Where can people keep in touch with you? Where can people find you? Where can my audience find you? Pretty simple. Thomas Kramer, I'm, I'm on every medium from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I even have my own TV channel on YouTube. Yeah. Thomas Kramer is like my favorite shows that I had for Miami was when I hosted the Housewives of Miami yes. with the Bravo channel yeah. and also from the Bravo channel, the Housewives of Atlanta. Yeah. I hosted them also in my house yeah. and they were the most repeated shows of the whole package in the in the lifespan shame i didn't get um, royalties but I just uh, <laughs> i two, came across that when i was doing ten, two three days ago i got a screenshot from a friend in i think from london yeah and they just literally saw this episode from the housewives of atlanta repeated to the hundredth time or yeah, something yeah, yeah, so yeah. they took a snapshot and sent it to me they said look look i saw your tv da, da, da. Thomas, you you have you have had such a life, <laughs> and it's always brilliant just to hear your stories because you've got stories for days. And I know you're traveling, but I hope to catch up with you at some point somewhere in the world or back here in Dubai again um, because I'd love to hear some more and I'd love to share some more of your stories. Thank you so much for coming to the Moving Mountain. You're Spotify. very very welcome. You're a very nice person, and oh, I enjoy you. your show very much. And um, I'm big fan and follower. Thank you so You're thank very you welcome. So very much. Thank you. Listen, guys, this has been the Moving Mountains podcast with Michael O, with my guest, very dear guest, Thomas Kramer. I hope you've got all the gems today. I mean, Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to listen to this at least 100 times. But thank you. See you same time next week.